Hi, my name is Jason Plem. I am from Two Rivers Specialty Meats, and Vancouver is awesome because it has got water and mountains. Hello and welcome to the Vancouver is Awesome podcast. I'm Lindsay William Roth. I'm Adam Nanji. And uh, it's been a while, huh? Yeah, it has been a little while. Yeah. A lot's transpired since we last spoke. Since we last spoke. Before we get too deep, I, I do want to say we have a really fantastic guest today that we're going to talk to. We have Jason Plum of Two Rivers Specialty Meats. Um, I'm a big fan of his meat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to skip right over that yeah. one. He's going to tell us about the story behind Two Rivers. He's going to yeah. tell us what to barbecue this summer. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's a fun chat. And we, we, get a, we get a little intellectual about, you know, meat ethics and uh, terminology and know your butcher and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's it's funny. People ask me all the time what restaurants are opening and I, I can certainly answer that question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I often find it's more interesting to talk about what restaurants are closed. Lindsay. Yes. What restaurants have closed oh, recently in Vancouver? A few, actually, to oh, be fair. Oh, no. Um, but uh, I think the one that lots of people are talking about that uh, I uh, broke the story on <laughs> <laughs> this week uh, was Escobar. Closed. Yeah. So for people who don't know, there was this kind of uh, restaurant called called Escobar that yes. served kind of uh, what modern Latin American cuisine. Yeah, type of thing. it was Latin fusion. So for those of you that don't know, there there's also a narco terrorist <laughs> with with the name Escobar. Randomly. And uh, when that restaurant opened, some people got kind of mad and were like, maybe that's kind of offensive. Yeah. I mean, if we rewind a little bit to that point in life, um, I was able to sit down with the owners. So they had owned the Eastwood, which was in the same Fraser Street location. And uh, they had it in mind to, to put a sort of higher end, more sophisticated cocktail bar with this uh, Latin twist because they'd just done some traveling and were really hot on those flavors. And they, they I, I think they used the word flirt flirtatious mm-hmm. um and that that it was meant to evoke pablo escobar um because Ooh. you know they had they had a, a drink photo that had like a smoldering cigar in the background and 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 they were it was a little bit of a wink wink you know they were they were being provocative for sure um and then the story got out and other outlets were you know reaching out to them and running the story on this restaurant called Escobar opening up and they backpedaled and said, oh, no, 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 that's it's just because of the word bar and we're being, you know, chill out a little bit. It's we're just being, I don't know. See, (laughs) I mean, I feel bad for anyone that loses a business, you know, like it's not something I want to make fun of. 
But well, that... and I mean, and and just to be fair, they they sold the bit their business. Oh, okay. Like well, it maybe... wasn't, you know. Uh, but people did lose jobs. Yes. Yes, which a number of people. I don't want to make light of that, but if you're telling me that you named your Latin restaurant Escobar because it had bar in it, <laughs> you're either not telling the truth or you're very ignorant to yeah. the obvious implications of that name. Yeah. And so I'm not surprised, Lindsay, that this place shut down. You know, it it lasted 14 months. It's not bad, actually. It's not bad. Um, it, it, they reinvented themselves a few times. And, you know, I don't think it's a huge secret that I know the chef who was on board, like, from fairly early on. It wasn't her concept, but she's a very passionate and talented person. And... Um, uh, I had met her previously when she had her own restaurant called In Vitro, which sadly she had to close. And she went on to revitalize Charlie's Little Italian before they opted to close up. And uh, so she's very talented and super passionate. And, you know, she, they they kind of – she drank the Kool-Aid that, mm. that the owners were putting out on the table. And uh, she kind of unwittingly became the the face of it and having to sort of apologize and they had protesters outside and well that's the thing i'm all for letting people make mistakes yeah. you know yeah and you know in today's day and age some yeah. people think people are too sensitive or whatever but make a mistake and if you fe- and if people are saying what you did hurt me apologize apologize and own move it. on yeah yeah own it and say you know what we were careless here's the new name yeah and then the then the restaurant can live or die by the food and the yeah, service. By, by its own merits or failures as opposed to that one blatant issue. Exactly. Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting social experiment uh, that unfortunately has cost some folks some jobs. But, uh, uh, you know, the guys, they, they opened up another project. They didn't want people to know that it was them. Uh, but they have a, a new seafood restaurant on the drive. Uh, so if you... <laughs> we'll let people discover that. You know what? You know? Free will. If you want to go go and have some oysters, you, you can find them. Yeah. So uh, an end of a chapter. I haven't... I got, You know, we got a lot of hate mail when, yeah. it, when it opened. Yeah. We, we got hate Personally, mail. Personally. Yeah. Name. Oh, yeah. I got hate tweets and hate, hate emails and... You know, and and to be fair and balanced, we published. There was a great, you know, letter about about the restaurant, and I went in and and did a ate ate there and checked it out, and yeah, it was an interesting experience. And that chapter is over. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that chapter is over. Anyhow, uh, you can pour one out for Escobar or not. The Oakwood closed. You know, things close. It happens. Uh, but we do keep up with, with that as much as we can in our food and drink section. And uh, speaking of food, we are going to flip over to our interview with Jason Flam of Two Rivers Meats. Thank you so much for coming today, Jason. Um, let's start with a little backstory. How long has Two Rivers been around, and what's the sort of 
operating philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, let's. Why don't we go back to the school bus? I mean, the 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 entire concept was literally founded <laughs> in a school bus on the side of the river. I was a raft guide for about ten seasons on the Kicking Horse River, my brother's company, and uh, trying to figure out what to do with life and so on. And I had worked in the meat business prior for about four years, and and uh, you know, we said in August we're going down to Vancouver to start a meat company. And and that was kind of just like that. Yeah, that was in uh, so that was in in uh, late August or September of of two thousand seven. And wow, that was uh, it's easier to say I'm going to start a meat company than actually to do. And so we had our challenges. And the whole concept, the premise of of the company is really you know kind of came about even just thinking about my time in the meat business. Like there was a shift; things were changing. People wanted to to know more. Or just know where where the meat's coming from. Where what's happening? What's where do they come from? It's not just meat in a box. What is it? And uh, but it never it wasn't really happening in the street yet. So that was really the concept. My father in law was raising some beef in Pemberton, and we had the opportunity to take that supply. We had a year round supply of product, and so the entire concept was really founded on that. We knew about the farm. We knew the care that went into it, and so on. Like that whole kind of animal husbandry, so to speak, and. Um, and it was, it was a nice, tidy story of local beef, right, from, from Pemberton. And that was really the whole premise, the foundation. Let's start with this. We like the idea. Let's, let's go to a chef and tell him the story. And, wow, that's cool. There's local beef around here. It's getting finished and, and so on. So, and so the butchering started. That was me trying to figure out, like, what is, you know, I, I get the concept. I understand. You know, I've, I've done a little bit of butchery and, uh, you know, in my years of hunting, you know, growing up in a small town, you know, we did lots of hunting growing up. And so you get a bit, but, you know, to actually break a carcass of beef was something much different. So learning experience, you know, and and, and really not knowing that, that kind of helped us, um, I guess, kind of segment into a different area of butchery. Muscle seeming was, was big, you know, and, and unbeknownst, you know, ignorance is kind of bliss in this scenario because before this, let's say that, you know, the majority of, of beef breaking for Canada and North America was very, you know, um, industrial, let's say, you know, for one reason, it, it was it needed to happen fast, because the majority of the market uh, in North America, the, the beef consumption is ground beef, in ground form, 94%, 94% in all of North America, right? So um, that's not I can't ground a whole cow if you know, so it was like, um, so butchering the animal a little bit differently, like following muscle seems kind of ignorantly, but what's going on over here and where's this going to lead to? And then all of a sudden you're like, you find other components, other cuts, other muscles that are within the carcass there that are great. They're fantastic. There's steaks on the market today that are, that literally have been ground for, 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 for years. Right. So, so that kind of happened and it's like, okay, well, there's a whole new concept here. We're going to start muscle seaming and, and, and start utilizing those other cuts because, you know, there's more to a cow than, than hamburger and, and tenderloin. I feel like in my all my food world time, I don't think I've ever heard of muscle seeming, but mm-hmm. but I've heard of people saying it's artisanal butchery, mm-hmm. right? Is that a fair term to to say, or craft butchery, or yeah, totally. I think it's fair, and I think you know, I mean, this this kind of butchery is not it's it's perhaps foreign in 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 the industrial kind of you know form in North America, but it's it's pretty common in the rest of the world. And I mean, obviously, consumers free will, big marketplace, lots of yeah. choice. Um, 
but in that time since you launched the company, there has been a sort of shift in our vernacular to add in words like artisanal mm. and that the whole know your farmer, know your food source. So I'm just curious as someone who runs a company based on that philosophy, what what is the benefit of knowing your farmer? What is the benefit of uh if given the choice, choosing uh, a, a meat that's from an unusual cut or from a small-scale butchery? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, it, firstly, there's the the human kind of thought process has changed, you know, like just for we're in the era of information. So it's, a, it's around and it's available. So because it's available, there's even more thought like, well, I should know about that. I want to know more about what I'm eating and so on. So, you know, how do I, if I'm, if I'm looking, if I'm thinking health or I'm thinking whatever I want to know about, I, it's just like information. So when I think about why, what's been, why is it beneficial to know the farmer? Well, I think it's just because if I know what they're doing, what, what kind of, what kind of work they're doing to take care of the animal, if that animal is getting taken care of to a, to a degree, that's probably going to be better for me, or maybe it's going to be better for my mind. So I think that's really the, the notion around know your farmer you know what you're going to get. And, and the alternative is, well, where's it coming from? What's the deal? And, and it's like, well, it's coming, it's in a store, it's on a shelf, it's in a wrapper. I don't know. I guess it's the, that's where beef comes. Where's beef come from? Ask the kids at school. I don't know. It comes from the grocery store in a package. Right. Comes from <laughs> so maybe store. it starts from that, right? Yeah. But then it's like, so, so if you start digging a little bit, like the information is, is it's, it gives you your own kind of opportunity to make different decisions. And when you started, did you find that your clientele did you need to educate them on those aspects or were those things, pardon the pun, people were hungry for and looking for? I, I think absolutely. There there was interest and desire to know more about the background of meat, right? I mean, mm. it, I, I think previous to to like even the whole local push, I mean, go back 10 years, it wasn't there. Right. Right. Go back 15 years. No, it's still 10 to 15 years ago. No, 10 years ago. Yes. Sorry. 15 years ago, it, it wasn't there. It was, what is it? It's just... Well, it's 100 years ago for sure. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But, but, fi- but even 15 years ago, yeah, it, like, absolutely. you know, it wasn't, hey, this is local this, or this is like local is a very new term, right? So, but there was local produce, let's say. Um, and so it was more difficult to understand where to get local protein. And so there's a bunch of farms around, but it... but um, how is it getting to you? And, and there wasn't really any story or detail behind it, you know, so bigger volume or smaller scale with an interesting story. And, and, and that was kind of the difference. So, so that's kind of, uh, to answer your question. So there certainly was interest, mm. but what's out there, there was kind of a, there was kind of a void in what was out there. Right. You know? And so here we are. So, you know, in, in starting like, Hey, look, I've got some beef that's raised in Pemberton and here's how it's done. And what do you think? Well, it sounds unbelievable actually. Like I've never heard of where the beef was from. I mean, we've all heard of Alberta beef, you know, but, but what does that mean? Right. Here's the, this is some beef from a, from a pinpointed farm in Pemberton and this is the deal. And I've noticed too, that even in some diets that people are following, it even specifies like, Hey, you can eat meat, but it has to be, grass-fed or it has to be like there are mm. there's so many different striations of mm. of what what's on the market and and yeah. 
what goes into the animal before it goes into our bodies that people are yeah. taking into consideration, which I think is fascinating in itself, all mm. the different shades there. For sure. And you think about like, so there's information out there, like what is grass fed, grass finished? Yeah. You know, I mean, we're not really in the country for grass finishing, mm. right? Yeah. For one reason. Snow. Snow, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, that's it, right? So, but there is grass finished product here in the country that it, so it finishes on like a silage program. So grass is clipped and then it literally, it hits and gets fermented. It hits like a, they cover it basically to allow it to ferment, Prom- uh, turns into a silage product, right? That gets mixed with perhaps different grains or whatever. And that's like a, that's a finishing uh, feed. So grass finished wouldn't have any grains. It would just simply be grass fermented easier to digest so then through the winter time when there's no grass on the grounds here it is yeah. so finishing grass finishing a cannon would be done that way grass finishing in countries around the world i mean there's there's grass around so and in addition to beef obviously over the years your company has taken on all sorts of meat products mm-hmm. right you handle pork uh chicken you guys handle some chicken yeah, yeah. beef pork chicken yeah the whole the whole shebang and you've expanded what feels almost insane to me because before you sat down today adam i were saying oh well i get my two rivers from you know i get mine from spud and Mm. you know and you you experience yours picking it up at grocery uh, stores yeah yeah Yeah. and then you've got the facility in north vancouver and the restaurant in Mm. north vancouver which i love it's so good so do you feel like the 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 marketplace has changed as far as awareness and um i don't know the do you feel like it's the marketplace that's changed or are you changing people what do you think? Well, I I think perhaps there's a, there's a bit of both there. I mean, I I you know I I like I guess I do believe that we have made some some changes and and to the industry. I think it, it whether we were meaning to or not, it's happened. Local is a thing. It's yeah. you know, um, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> that's and, our pull quote. Local yeah, is a thing. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and and but it's like now it's like a. It's almost like it's just it's just greenwashed. It's local. It's all good, you know. So you know. Right. So what does that mean? That's a whole other realm, right? But I but I think that in general the the people are just more educated and, and are hungry to know a little bit more. Like I don't want to just. I, I need to know more. Yeah. Essentially, I, I think is really what the case is. How do you how do you combat that sort of eco washing or greenwashing when? the company's philosophy is so rooted in in the real meaning of those terms you know what it's i'd say it's difficult yeah you know because you 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 can't you can't decide or i mean it's and and even call it's even it's even difficult to call someone out you know to say well hey i know this is wrong you know but that's why it's more important for the for the consumer or the or the buyer to to do their own digging, right? Same with the, you know, same with who we work with, chefs in the community, right? Like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to give you the information, right? Obviously, you know, we're we're in business to to sell product and to and to to make it happen. But here's the information: you're going to have to ultimately make a choice, and and you know, and we can sell and and sell, right? And and provide information. So there's for us, you know, I mean, the whole process is a bit more of a consultation because it's here's some details, here's some education about product, here's what's happening, and, and now you have the ability to make a choice. 
One of the other, I think, not tensions, but uh, maybe challenges to be in the meat industry, I would imagine right now, would be the the predominance, especially here in Vancouver, of the popularity of plant-based eating. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you find that that... How how does the company... I don't know. I, I don't imagine you would address that, but do you do you feel that that's a force that that's a, an oppositional force, or do you feel that you can exist peacefully with the the vegan community? <laughs> is, there, is there a war? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, no. <laughs> I I I would say that you know I'm I'm I think everyone should have the ability to do whatever they want. Yeah. You know I think that that you know, the opposition thinks that everyone should be one way. And I think that's never going to happen, you know? So I, I think if anything, it, it's great. I think that, that the meat that we, pro, that we provide, that, that we move around the city, around the province is, is perhaps not to be eaten in force on a daily or, you know, thrice daily basis. And maybe it's meant for, Hey, if you want to, if you're going to eat meat, eat great quality meat, know some details about it and, and be sure that it is of high quality and, and eat it, treat yourself to it. Yeah. And, and, and maybe don't eat as much. A small portion or, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, there's a certain, there's a certain amount of vegan in everybody to be, to be true. And, and especially if you're thinking about being a little clean in your food and your diet and so on. Right. But it's not to suggest that we shouldn't eat meat. I think we're, I think that's what we do. Um, one of the reasons why we wanted to chat with you is Two Rivers is, I guess, the the meat sponsor or the yeah. meat, <laughs> the meat folks behind uh, the upcoming brewery and the beast. Uh-huh. How many years have you guys been a part of that? Well, I, we've been in, we've been around and and since the start, and I would love to give you a the exact amount of years that's been, but I, <laughs> but I don't all even, the way. I don't even remember. Right, first event was in Victoria, and. Uh, you know, I, I've got we got a call from Scott Gurney. Scott Gurney, founder of the of the event, uh, was was good friends with one of our with our sales uh, with our sales guy from the island, and uh, said, "Hey, like, there's an opportunity to do this thing. Like, you, you got to talk to this guy." And and so, you know, Scott and I talked, and we're like, "Hey, this sounds like a great idea. What's it going to cost? <laughs> you know, and what are we going to do? I mean, this is because this is." It's got to be seven, six or seven years ago, anyways, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, and and so that was that was kind of it. He's like, "Look, th- I've got this idea. What do you think?" And uh, meat and beer. So, I mean, awesome. That's yeah. like It's like a Sunday afternoon barbecue. Yeah. Which is exactly it's exactly what it is, you know. And so uh, we've been the sponsors since the start, and and the idea is uh, for us to we work with the chefs, the with all the vendors, so all the chefs that are part of the event. Uh, we provide a, an amount of, of meat for them to do what they want to do, and and uh, and so it's about showcasing the meat, showcasing the farms and the farmers, and and so on. On the other side, it's it's a beer. Uh, uh, Phillips has been involved since the start as well, and and I think the whole notion of of it's I, I guess the there's something else. It's not just industrialized meat and beer. It's the choice. It's something else that that you need to know about. So, and I think I think Phillips would f- very much falls into that, whether the original or not. I'm not exactly sure, but they are the they are the craft beer on the island. You know, is there um, a sense of 
what chefs are going to be doing with any particular products this year? Do you know, do they come to you and say like, I've got an idea and you help mm -hmm. make it happen? Or is there anything you can, I mean, to be fair, we have to say it, it does, it's sold out, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it is sold out. <laughs> we're kind of breaking hearts here, but yeah. people can all, you know, plan ahead because those tickets get released in the, what, late winter, early spring. And yeah. yeah. And so kind of put that on your calendar now for next year. But do you, is there anything that's kind of exciting on the meat mm -hmm. front that, that might be happening? Well, you know, I, I think the, I think more and more of the chefs that are coming back are, are I think, understanding more about the possibilities for the event, right? First time going to the event, okay, I got to feed 700 people. What am I going to do? Like, let's just put it all, let's get something on a bun and go, right? And and the opportunity is to cook with fire, and which is something that not a lot of chefs in this city get to do on a daily basis, you know, unless they have a wood fire in the, in the kitchen, which is, there's not a lot. Um, so the opportunity is to be able to play. Let's do something different, go out, outside of the comfort zone and and cook with fire and have fun, make fun of it. It doesn't have to be, you know, a couple of moves or, on, you know, onto some kind of vehicle to get in your mouth. It's just let's let's do something cool with meat and put it on the board and, and, and let people love it. So I think that being said, there's there's more more notions around cooking with fire as opposed to pre-cooking in a sous vide bag and bring it here to finish and so on. Right. So I think that's that's the kind of the excitement. There's more action to be seen as opposed to, product being finished for sense? yeah totally for uh all of us regular folk who don't have tickets to the event uh who, who did not get on the tickets as we should have um it is grilling season though mm -hmm. so what do you recommend what's Ooh. yeah i know let's, let's talk <laughs> now we're talking i know what uh, you know what's a great summer meat that you guys have that uh, that you love or that you really would like people to get turned on to? Mm -hmm. You know what? I, I think something that's just so great that's kind of off the beaten track a little bit. I mean, everyone loves a ribeye. I love a ribeye. That's kind of, that's that's a good steak, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but off the beaten track a little bit, we have a cut we call a, a bavette or a vacio. I would say it's kind of a cross between a flank steak and a skirt steak. Okay. So, Muscle grain would be like a skirt, and but shaped kind of like a almost like a baby's bib, if you can imagine. Babette is the mm. French terminology for that, and um, so it's just a great piece of meat that's kind of two to three pounds, and it's, it's so quite showy on a grill, right? Um, takes up a lot of space as it's you know it could be uh, you know sixteen inches long and and by six inches wide kind of thing. So it's a big chunk that, that would be, you know, you'd, you'd grill it out and uh, just with a rub or you can marinate, marinate it. And, then, yeah. and then, then what do you want to do? You eat it as a steak or you can put it in a taco or you can, you know, there's, there's a different application. So it's fun and it's interesting and, and a lot of people haven't seen it. So that, what, that's what's kind of cool about it. Nice. Um, <clears throat> speaking of seeing, where can everybody find you? Not you personally, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> So we we do a lot of business with Spud. We've been working with Spud for a, for the better part of ten years now. So they've got a they've got a pretty pretty big product line and and home delivery, of course. Um, we've been working with Nature's Fair. They got a bunch of stores in the Okanagan and through the Fraser Valley. Um, so we've got a, a pretty good lineup with those guys. Uh, 
There's not a ton of, I mean, of course, Spud has their fresh street low, uh, sorry, their uh, beef fresh locations. So there's, there, I think they've got six locations now around the city. Um, and uh, of course our shop, we've got a, we've got the butcher shop in North Van and, and uh, with a, a wide array of, of yummy steaks. Yes. And you can mm. go in there and you can make time to eat because mm-hmm. there's such yummy food there. Let the butchers do the cutting and you can enjoy a dry aged burger. Yeah. yeah, sit back. Thank you so much for coming in and talking. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, I mean, all this talk about Brewery and the Beast, which is what many consider uh, a summer event highlight here in Vancouver... Uh, and and we are we are rolling into summer. Yeah, we're we're in it. Do you love summer in Vancouver? I do. I do. Yeah. I do. What do you, how do you what do you look forward to in the summer? What what do you want to make sure? What's on your summer bucket list? Patios for sure. Yes. And there's more of them. Um, you know, for me, it's less of a like go to the lake, go to a place, and it's more about the the summer just attitude okay what's the summer attitude well i wear more hawaiian shirts than i normally do that's true i I might do uh i might do happy hour more Uh just spend a little time outside walking biking like the city is pretty exceptional and i find it like city loosens up a little around summer i agree you know i agree what about you i find myself doing this weird thing and people will see me doing it is that when I'm outside, I just randomly stick my hands up in the air. (laughs) You just reach for the sun. And I kind of, yeah, I kind of close my eyes first. That's a good song. Um, Mm -hmm. I I close my eyes and I'm like, this is summer. This is the feeling. (laughs) This is sun. This is warmth. So I've, I've been back in Canada for, what five and a half years now just yeah and it's i'm still not used to like the seasons <laughs> yeah because you were in... coming from la where it's yes. just always summer i mean not not necessary there are seasons there but yeah. Eh, <laughs> yeah but not in the same way and i just i still struggle with the bleakness of winter i mean i've bitched about it on here before the snow and the and, the, and i i love rain and, and all that but I kind of have made it a, a, a pledge to make the most of summer. And so I'm finding that our weekends are packed with just being outdoors mm. and and going and doing the things, whatever the things may be. <laughs> We're not going to sit inside and watch TV. Right. <laughs> this is not a Netflix binging time. It is, a, it is go – to Lynn Canyon and yeah. go take a hike out there and then have a great meal. Uh, go, you know, be on the patio. Stay up late. Take a little road trip. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds good. Get yeah. on the ferry and go somewhere. Be Just by the go water. Go to an island or something. Yes. Go to go the explore. island. Go explore. Just explore because remember in February mm-hmm. when we are – when the, your TransLink bus is stuck in the snow, oh. and it is dark and dreary at three thirty, yeah, <laughs> and cold and wet and damp, just you're not sticking your arms in the air, going, oh, 
but you can touch back on that moment when you stuck your hands up in the air in mid-June and you went, ah, summer in Vancouver. And most importantly, the less you watch Netflix now, the more you'll have banked (laughs) for when it's gross outside. Noted. Happy summer, everybody. The Vancouver is Awesome podcast is produced and hosted by Lindsay William Ross and Bob Kronbauer with additional support from Adam Nanji and associate producer Albert Van Sanvoort. We record in the studio at Glacier Media, 303 West 5th Avenue in Vancouver's Mount Pleasant neighborhood. You can subscribe via your podcast platform of choice to get VIA downloaded directly each and every Monday. And please consider leaving us a rating or review and definitely tell your friends to tune in too. Follow us on Facebook at Vancouver is Awesome, on Twitter and Instagram at VIAwesome, and read us at VancouverIsAwesome.com. Vancouver.